0: Okay, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. If you've got a Bible, can you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14? We will get there momentarily. Um, just so you know, next Sunday, assuming we're meeting, and it's a bit up in the air at the moment, is Mother's Day. So we're going to be doing that next week. We've got um, some great speakers lined up for you, plus we've got gifts for all the ladies, etc., etc. So please come. If we're meeting next week, ready for that, it'll be an excellent time um, with us together. Because that's next week, this week is the last week of our series, Teach Us to Pray, which we started back in January. We've been rolling through it this term. We felt God speak to us at the end of 2019 about teaching us to pray. Um, And so we've been back to school and we've been trying to learn about what it means uh, for us to pray, and we've been doing this a couple of ways. We've had uh, the prayer course, which has been going on in our small groups. This week is the last one of the prayer course, so we'll be closing that out uh, midweek this week when you meet in your small groups. I was with my group last week, and we did it, um, it was listening prayer this one, and we did that, and we talked about that. It was an excellent time. This week, the last one is spiritual warfare looking at all that means, what it means, the reality that we're in a battle, we have an enemy and so we're doing that. So we close out the prayer course this week um, and then the uh, sermon series today. What we've looked at in the sermon series is we've been going through the Lord's prayer, we went through it line by line all the way through every kind of uh, beginning with father, and then all the petitions of the prayer. We then followed that with the parable on persistence in prayer, that we should pray and not give up, recognizing we have a good father and that we should be going after him in prayer. And then last week, I looked particularly at the area of fasting because that is often linked in God's Word with prayer, prayer and fasting, and how actually that is a vital tool that we as Christians should be using. It's something we should be growing in. It's not an optional extra. It is something that we should have. So that's what we've done thus far, Uh, and this week is the final week, and we're going to be looking at praying in tongues, which we'll get to in just a moment. Also, we've been um, looking at some tips for you to help you with prayer life, and we've been giving you one a week Quick recap, we've had we told you to read books on prayer. We've told you to pray with others. We've also told you to have a place and a plan to help you with prayer. We've told you to get informed about the church around the world. We've told you to write your prayers down, try that. Read the prayers of others, old prayers that can help fuel us in our worship. Uh, we talked about actually focusing on God and actually remembering it's all about communion with Him. We, last week talked about try fasting, and I recommend the book Hunger for God by John Piper. And this week's tip Number nine, final one, is pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. That is this week's tip, and I'm going to spend the next half an hour or so working through what that means. So, let's talk about this thing of praying in tongues. Now, this is a subject that Christians, godly Christians, disagree on. People who love Jesus, love his word, want to serve him, godly men and women have disagreements on within the body of Christ. And uh, that's okay. Okay. People can have disagreements on this. This is what we would probably call a secondary issue. You have primary issues in the Christian faith and you have secondary issues in the Christian faith. Primary issues are if you are a Christian, you hold to them. If you don't hold to them, you actually are not a Christian. That's what it boils down to with primary things. They're often called um, close handed issues, which means we hold them tight and nothing, even death, will mean that we will deny them. That's how strong they are. So some close-handed issues would be things like God as Trinity. He is one God, but he is in three persons, each person fully God, Father, Son, Spirit. God is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the sovereign over all things, particularly on Christ, that he was born of a virgin. He is both fully God, fully man. He was sinless in everything he said and did. He died in our place for our sins, rose bodily from death, ascended into heaven, and one day will return um, to judge The living and the dead. The Bible is our final authority on all matters of life and doctrine. It is without error in any way. These are issues that are primary and we will divide on them. If you do not agree with them, you will not come there. We're happy to talk and dialogue, but ultimately you cannot bear the name of Christ if you do not believe with them. You are not a Christian. They are false doctrines to deny them. So they are primary, close handed issues secondary more open-handed issues are ones that Christians can disagree on and we'll kind of we can work together because we agree on the important stuff and there are things like the age of the earth and creation how you know did god make it literal six days and then rested or were they six periods of time issues of church governance how you run the church what you call your leaders the nature of jesus return And all the things where people love charts and that sort of things, we can, you know, people can disagree on them. The mode of baptism, do you baptize infants, do you baptize adults? The area of spiritual gifts and baptism of spirit and tongues fits into that sort of area where people can disagree on and it's not a primary issue. We can still have fellowship, we can still love one another, we still serve Jesus together and we will be with him together forever one day but it's still an issue that is important, and we in this church believe it is an issue that we take very seriously, and tongues is a gift for us and is alive and well today, and we will make no apologies for that, and I'm gonna talk about that today and try and convince you of that, but that is what it is. So you can feel free to disagree, but in this church, this is what this family does and believes, and so actually, if you really have a problem with it, this probably isn't the place for you. So. Let's read the passage. The context of this passage, 1 Corinthians 14, if you found it, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And if you've ever read Corinthians and thought about the church in Corinth, you should be instantly um, encouraged about the church that you're a part of. Because in one sense, there is no way that that church could be as bad as Corinth was. Corinth, The church in Corinth was just a mess in every sense of the word they had all sorts of problems they had during the communion service when they were serving bread and wine people were getting drunk they were drinking so much that they were just getting legless in the service there was great division within the church between the rich and the poor those who had much flaunted their wealth got the best seats and they looked down and derided those who had less than them there was gross sexual sin within the church And people getting up to all sorts of things. And it's like, what is going on here? Um, Members of the church were suing each other. And there were lawsuits among the believers in the church. They were going to court. Their public worship times when they gathered together as a a church together were an absolute mess. People were yelling at each other across the service. It was chaos. People were just shouting out prophecies and people in tongues. And the whole place was a nightmare. So no matter what you think about this church, we've got to be better than that. (laughs) And so that's an encouragement. So when you read the book of Corinthians, God used it in his wisdom and sovereignty then to train the church throughout the ages. So this place was just a mess. So Paul speaks to them and said, let's put some things in order. Let's get some things straight. Let's sort some stuff out, which we too can learn from hundreds, thousands of years later. And so what we've got in 1 Corinthians 14... The previous two chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul has uh, began talking about spiritual gifts. And we'll get on to that. And then you get 1 Corinthians 13, which is the great chapter on love. Love is patient, love is kind, etc., etc. There comes there. So he has that. And then we roll into 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm just going to read the first five verses and then we're going to talk about it. So if we put this up, it says this. Paul then says this. Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue, that's what we're going to talk about, speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he asks mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their own upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone else interprets, so that the church may be built up. All right, let's get into this, and I want to look at five things to help us. Tongues and prophecy, he talks about these things. Now, this is in the context of public worship, which is kind of what we've had here and what we're going to continue to have. Paul speaks into the mess in Corinth, and he talks about two gifts. He talks about the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of tongues. Prophecy, broadly speaking, is when we hear from God, we feel God might be saying something, and we want to go and share it, whether we share it publicly or with people. That's kind of what that dimension, that's that gift. We often have it here on Sunday in our small groups. people feel, I feel God might be saying we always weigh that by what God says in his word, but that's kind of prophecy. And so Paul's talking about that gift in operation. The other one he's talking about is tongues. And tongues is speaking in a language that you do not know. Speaking in a language that you do not know. It could be a heavenly language. It can actually sometimes be documented be earthly languages. People suddenly find themselves speaking in languages that they don't know, and other people who know that language can hear it. So you've got these kind of two... Intermittent things. Here, Paul seems to be talking more about the heavenly language, which we'll get to later. And so that is what is on display here. For me, my personal experience, the first time I spoke in tongues, was in 1997 in the small front bedroom of 72 Toronto Road in Hallfield in Bristol. I was a university student. Um, I'd gone away to university, Um, I'd kind of come from a sort of Christian background but not really kind of really understood it myself, I'd gone to university and I'd sort of met lots of other Christians who were my age and they were students and we kind of went to these churches and I suddenly introduced to bigger churches because I was now in a city moving from a village and it was all very scary and all very new and there were kind of bands there and people played and they looked cool and there were girls everywhere and so it was just like this is the place I want to be. Um, and in, in that context, they started talking about spiritual gifts, which I hadn't really heard about. didn't really read my Bible, so I didn't really know they were there. And so it was like, what's this? And one of them was the gift of tongues. And I knew other people who spoke in tongues, and I didn't. I got a bit curious. and, and In the end, I said, right, God, this is for me. I want this. I'm going to go after this. And so I remember going up to my bedroom at that little house um, in the front bedroom in my final year of university, and I remember praying and crying out to God. and I had a little sermon uh, with a guy talking about it on cassette. Anyone remember them? And I put the cassette in the cassette player, and I pressed play, and off we went. He told me I got my Bible out, I did it, and then I just, boom, then I started speaking in tongues. And that was my kind of introduction to this, and that was 20 years ago to, um, from now. So let me look at this passage. And so I've spoken in tongues ever since, and I want to pull out five things, and then we're going to get into us doing some of this. So number one, speaking in tongues is God's idea. Speaking in tongues is God's idea. Verse one, pursue love, he begins. So this is our motive. It's all about love. 1 Corinthians 13, love for God and love for our fellow believers in the context of the church. That's what he's saying. That's what we got. So love is always our motivator, and it says, and it sums up the previous chapter. It says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, earnest, be eager for, be zealous for, pursue them with great energy and enthusiasm. Now we're all old and most of us are middle-aged or above, are there really things that you pursue with energy and enthusiasm? Not really, no, probably, it's a, maybe, maybe with a bit of a, you know British kind of reserve. But actually, Paul says we've got to go after these. You've got to charge after them. You picture one of our kids running. Remember when they say, when Jeremy said, kids, you can go to kids' work? What happened? There was, <laughs> there was energy and enthusiasm. I don't know if that was to go to kid work or to get out of here. It could have been both. But there was definitely energy and enthusiasm as they kind of run. And if you're ever out there and you see them charging down the corridor into the atrium, there is energy and enthusiasm there. And we are to go after. Spiritual gifts with that energy and enthusiasm. And the fact that they are spiritual gifts, which means they are from God. God is spirit. Their origin is found in Him. Not us. They're not earthly gifts. Paul says they're spiritual ones, which means they come from God. They are His idea. So when we talk about the gift of tongues and speaking in strange languages, God's idea, God's idea, God's idea. God's idea. They're not the product of man. They're not something that we've made up. They're something that he has given to us. And because they are a gift. A gift is something that you are given, that you receive, that you haven't earned. That someone has just decided to to give to you. I've got a birthday party I'm going to this afternoon. And we're going to take a gift for the little boy's birthday it is. I'm say, this is for you. You haven't earned this in any way. We're just giving it to you because we love you and we know it's going to be good for you and you're going to enjoy it. And it's like that with God. He gives us gifts. And the fascinating thing with God, when he gives us things, he doesn't ever get it wrong. He doesn't ever think, well, are they going to like it? I'm not sure, which what we're hoping. now we're going to give the boy a gift and we hope he's going to love it and we hope he's going to play with it and enjoy it. God's not like that. He knows us. He knows everything about it. He created it. So when he gives us something, he knows it's for our good and he knows it's for our benefit. And the gift of tongues falls into that. And for us to not be interested in it, for us to not pursue it, would be an insult to the giver and also contradictory to the instructions of the New Testament, earnestly, desire, pursue. So number one, God's idea. Number two, tongues is talking to God. Verse two and three, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So talking in tongues, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues is speaking. You have to do it like I am now. I am speaking to you. It involves an active um, uh, kind of output of something. I've got to say something. I've got to do something. I've got to move my mouth. I've got to move my tongue. I've got, to, I've got to get going. That's what it is. So we are speaking to God. We have to move our mouth. We have to move our tongue. The biggest thing that stopped me speaking in tongues, because I remember thinking about it for a while and doing it, was because I would refuse to say anything. I refused to say anything. So people pray for me, and I just sat there. Nothing's happening, and you know the comeback was, "Well, you're not saying anything." Of course, nothing's happening. And so, when it clicked in that front bedroom, it's when I decided to put my faith and trust in God and start speaking. And so, when we speak in tongues, we are talking to God. And so, secondly, it's first thing talking is talking to God. So it is a form of prayer. So when we speak to God, we are praying. That's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God. We've covered that through this whole series. We talk to God. Prophecy is God talking to us. We communicate to others. Tongues is us talking to God. We pray, we worship, we praise. But it says, what are we we talking about? It says we are speaking mysteries, hidden, secret things in the Spirit. So basically, when you're talking in tongues, there is a sense of you don't know what you're saying, other than the fact that Paul makes it very clear you are speaking mysteries to God. So God knows, you might not know, but he knows what's happening in that thing. We are talking to him about mysteries in the spirit. And we'll find later that there can be interpretation, we'll come to that in number five. But what this butts up against, and some of you are already feeling it now, is the great Western idol of our rational mind. Since the Enlightenment, the West has been dominated by scientific, rational thought. If it cannot be explained clearly, successfully demonstrated, have some scientific criteria through it, it is to be ignored or ridiculed, dismissed, nothing. Fortunately, God doesn't work that way. He's never worked that way. The ways of God are not our ways. They are higher and better, and so when we speak in tongues, we are speaking mysteries to God, and we might never know exactly what we're saying, and we just have to trust him. And that's what it comes down to. It's an act of faith. Are you going to believe in the rational Western thinking, which is not biblical, or are you going to go with what God says, and said I've got good gifts for you, they're going to help you and grow you? And trust him for that. Number three, tongues build up the speaker. So we're now getting to the reason of why would we do this. It says in verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So, What's this? So Paul memorized the context of public worship. If someone brings a prophecy, everyone gets to hear it. It's in the current language, the native language. Everyone's there. Everyone hears it. Everyone gets built up and encouraged. You ever been in that time where someone's come and shared something, thought God might be saying this, or they've, they've done something, and you felt a surge of faith. You felt encouraged. You felt strengthened, built up. That's what prophecy does. Tongues does that to the individual. Tongues does that to the individual. He's very clear on this. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself. They are edified, strengthened, built up in their own hearts, in their own strength. What does that word edify mean? Take think, think a building that's being built bit by bit. The more it gets built, the more it kind of goes up, gets stronger, uh, clearer. You can do that. We've got some people over the road from us who are kind of having their roof done. <laughs> And gradually, bit by bit, it is getting built up and getting stronger. They first put all this sort of tarpauling off to stop the rain, and they put the battens across at the moment um, to hold the tiles. The tiles aren't on. I imagine they'll go on this week. And at slowly, by bit by bit, it's getting strengthened. Paul says, "When we speak in tongues, we strengthen ourselves. We build up ourselves. We become stronger in ourselves." And the question, kind of, to ask yourselves is: Are you going through difficult times that you need strengthening? Are you going through difficult times where you are under pressure at work, at home, family, relationships? Are you going through times when you're kind of questioning what's going on, or even fearful because peace is gone, that you're kind of feeling that, that weight? What does Paul say? Speak in tongues, and you will be built up. You will be strengthened in your inner man. Have you ever met people who might have circumstances on the outside of their life where they will be crushed They are being put under, or maybe they're physical in their body, yet you talk to them and you find they have a rock-solid faith because they are getting their strength in the Lord. That's what speaking in tongues does. It builds you up on the inside. God has given you what you need to get through these circumstances. And praying tongues is one of those things where we can be built up internally. This is my testimony over years and years, decades, two decades at least, of doing this. My habit is as soon as we get together, as soon as we start praying, the first thing I'll do is start praying in tongues. Sometimes I have to watch myself because there are places you go where they won't be happy with that, so I have to do it very quietly. But I do it. As soon as it's let's pray, I will start talking in tongues. My other habit is as soon as I get in the car and I'm on my own and I'm driving somewhere, that's where I spend my time praying. And I do that a few times a week. I just have these moments. So as soon as I close the door, engine goes on, that's my trigger. I start praying because it builds me up. It keeps me going, it helps me cope with the pressures of life. And Paul says, that's what you do when you speak in tongues. You build yourself up, you get stronger, no matter what's going on on the outside. Number four, verse five, beginning of verse five. Tongues is for all believers. Now I want you, what's that next word? All to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. Let's, we'll clarify what that means later. But Paul begins, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now bear in mind who he's talking to. He's talking to Nutter Church here. He's talking to the church that's a mess where people are just yelling out throughout the meeting in a stupid unknown language. And, just, and he's just saying to them, Church, you're all idiots, but I want you all to speak in tongues. And so that says something about where Paul is coming to What he says later, if you scan down in your passage, you go to verse, verse 18, Paul says to them, crazy Christians, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he's trying to bring some order to it, but at the same time he's saying, by the way, guys, I do it way more than all of you anyway. But let's just put some order into what we're doing so it's not a total freak show in here. And so it was definitely something he didn't want to discourage. On the contrary. It was something he wanted to encourage. And you can understand why. If this gift builds up the believers, any good pastor, apostle, would go to a church and say, do it, do it a lot. Because that will help you. It will grow you. It will strengthen you. It will help you go deal with the troubles of life. Jesus says, in this world you will have troubles. Thank you, Lord. He was just being honest. But he says, but I'm going to help you overcome the world. How am I going to do that? Well, for I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give you his gifts. One of them is the gift of tongues. Now, Paul says that he prefers prophecy. The context of that is because in the context of public worship, when you, build a, when you go out of prophecy and you speak, everyone gets to understand it. Everyone gets built up as a result, while tongues can just appear Gibberish. And so he wants the church built up. But the point is for Paul is I want you all to speak in it so you can all be built up as well. He's not saying one is better than the other, he's saying in that context, in the public worship, actually, prophecy is great because everyone gets to hear it, everyone gets to understand, it, everyone gets involved. But actually, from a personal point of view, speaking in tongues builds you up. And then we'll come to the final one when we talk about interpretation. So, number five, tongues can build up the church with interpretation. So, what's Paul saying here? He actually puts them on a par. One isn't greater than the other because actually you can speak in tongues, but actually if it's interpreted, everyone gets to hear it then and everyone gets built up. So actually it is as good as prophecy, as useful as prophecy. What Paul doesn't want is someone just to yell out something that sounds like gibberish, no one understands what's going on, and then everyone just carries on. Cannot have that. Prophecy, Prophecy is a lot easier because it just comes straight out in English for us. Tongues, not so much. And so what he's saying is actually you can speak in tongues, but it needs to be. If it's done publicly, it needs to be interpreted. And we've actually had that. If you've been here long enough, we've had times when tongues have been brought. Sounds like whoa, what's that? And then we say we need an interpretation for that. Someone comes and gives the interpretation. Just a few little clarifying comments on that. If you ever interpret a tongue, number one, you have to speak Godward. It is a prayer of praise. It is something from you speaking to God. So if ever God gives you that, you are speaking to him. So it's Lord, we praise you, that kind of angle, rather than speaking to the church. There's different prophecies to the church. Tongues is when we speak to God and we speak to him alone. The second thing about that is the responsibility for the interpretation lies with who? The speaker. The speaker, verse 13 one who speaks in tongues should pray that they may interpret. So if you fancy bringing a tongue in a public worship time, brilliant. You then have to interpret it. Your responsibility. You're the one who it lies with. Now we've been in contexts, I've been in many contexts where other people have brought it and that's fine too. God gives gifts as he so desires. But actually if it's going to happen, if you're going to feel you want to do that ultimately it lies with you. You don't get to drop the T-bomb and then just walk off And give the mic to the leader and say, there you go, Sonny Jim, deal with that. Because <laughs> the leader will just say, bring the interpretation. And if you can, not keep your mouth shut, basically. That's how it works. So that's the way it works. It's the gift we want. Paul said, it's great as long as there's an interpretation and it builds up the church. So you don't get to drop it and then kind of wander away. You are not let off the hook. So let's sum up what we've got here. This is a gift that we as a church um, have been given by Jesus, by his Holy Spirit that he sent, and it's available to all believers. Paul says, I want you all to have all of this. And we are to all earnestly, zealously pursue it. In response to that question, teach us to pray, it's just another one of those gifts God has given us. And we are all to desire to speak in tongues. And there is a context of actually we can all speak ourselves and build ourselves up. So there's a kind of a personal application for that that we can do. And you can pray at any time, in any place, just like you can pray in English in any time, in any place, and just do it. And that is something that we should all desire and go after. In the terms of the public meeting, which we're in now, there has to be a level of order. So if you feel that's right, you have to then kind of bring it in the context of what we're doing um, and it's good to come when we have a leader to come and just to help fit it all in, and to make sure it's all kind of working together. So we are, they're not trying to sing a song and you're trying to yell something out. It just let's just put it in a bit of order and then we can bring some clarity to everyone who's here. But in that situation, the responsibility lies with you then to interpret it. God may give it to someone else, which is fine. But actually, that's your thing. And so what we're going to do now, I don't know if you speak in tongues here or not. I'd love you to. I'd love you, if you've never done it, to take the opportunity today to grab it with both hands. So a few little bits of guidelines with what we're going to do today. And some questions to ask yourself. Number one, do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want to speak in tongues? Because that's how it begins. You have to actually want it. Paul says you have to zealously desire it, which means you've got to go after it. Not some half assed half-hearted, yeah, all right. But actually, I want this because it's from God and God is good. And God, We looked at that parable after the um, Lord's Prayer about God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. When we are full of the Holy Spirit and God comes on us, gifts manifest because we're full of the Spirit and the Spirit is the one who gives them out. They just, they're part of that. And so we have got to ask yourself, do you want it? link with that, I guess is another question, is do you believe that God will give it to you? Do you believe God is good, that he loves you, that he's for you, that he wants to give good gifts to your children? Or do you think he's going to give you the scorpion when you ask for bread? Do you believe God is good and he wants you and he loves you and you think this is a good thing for you? Do you trust him? Do you have faith in him? to Say, actually, God, yeah, this is This is a good thing. I I trust you. that You're going to give me something that's not going to hurt me, but actually is going to help me. It's got to build me up. And then the third thing is you've got to start speaking. You've got to start speaking, and it can't be in your native tongue. And for those of you who are smart, if you know more than one language, it can't be in the other one as well. Do you know what I mean? Just to clarify that, not something you know, put it that way. For me, that's English. I don't have a second. I've got to start speaking. And you have to start engaging your man. And you just got to start speaking in something that isn't your native language or a language you know. And then you've got to trust God. And that's simple as that. It's as simple as that. Are you going to do this? Are we going to do this? I cannot emphasize enough the the goodness of God in this gift to us as his people. Of what if we use it to praise? We use it to worship. We use it to build ourselves up. Have you ever been praying about something and you've just got to the end? I literally don't know what to pray more. Or you ever sat down and thought, I want to pray about the spread of the coronavirus worldwide, well, and I literally don't know where to start. It's a worldwide pandemic, and people are dying, and there are cases just going up and up and up. God, I want to pray, but I don't know how. God says, "Got you covered. Give the tongues." Just start speaking. Start speaking. It's mysteries. I'll work it all out. I'm God. I'm sovereign. Just do that. That's what you do. God says, I've got it. I've got you covered. It will build you up. Even if you just feel like, oh, and you feel that kind of wake up my soul. How do you wake up your soul? One way is to speak in tongues. Build yourself up in God. So we go for this? Yeah, amen. Let's stand up. Can we have the band back up? Not sure how this is going to go. But we'll have some fun. Do you want to just close your eyes? I'm going to pray. We're going to just do a few things. First thing I thought, just feel prompted we need to do, is we need to to break down some idols. And we need to throw them to the floor and say God is bigger than them and we worship God alone. First commandment, worship Him and Him alone. So, if you know that you have worshipped at the idol of Western rational thought, where there are certain things that can't happen because they cannot be explained, rational thinking is God and if I can't work it out then it just can't be true I'll ridicule it, then you need to repent now. You need to just say, God, you are God, and there is an awful lot in this world and beyond that I do not understand. In fact, I will never understand, and I'm okay with that because you are God, and you are good, and we love you, and we trust you, and we put our faith in you and you alone. That's the first thing. So if you know you need to do that, you need to do that now. Let's clear the clutter out of the way. Let's get straight with him. I've been doing this for years and I still find myself going there. So I know what that's like. We now have to put our eyes on our Father in heaven and say, You are good. We sung about that, didn't we? And your goodness will follow us all the days of our life. And we have to look at our Lord and Savior as the one who died and rose again and said, I will send you another who will be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. And we have to recognize that, and we have to say, Holy Spirit of God, come fill us now. Come fill this place. Come fill your people. And you just have to put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, that he will do what he said to do. Then you've got to ask yourself, do you want to speak in tongues? He's not going to force himself. Do you want to? Do you want to? Are you going to pursue it? I'm going to pray that God would break out and release something here now. We're then going to worship and sing. It's always a good idea to do that. And if you know you want to, if you can, we want you to speak in tongues, sing in English. We don't mind. And we're going to do that. And then maybe we'll have an opportunity to pray and see what God says amongst us but that's what we're going to do now. So Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to come now on your people. Fill us with your spirit. We want to say we love you and we praise you. We accept the wonderful gifts you've given to us. We recognize you as our one Lord and Savior, the ruler of heaven and earth. We recognize you as good, so infinitely good, so magnificently good. And we welcome you here and we say, God, whatever you want, Whatever you want in this place, we'll do. We follow, we trust you, we love you, we praise you.